The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? I'm so thrilled that today we're going to be speaking with Rob Cauldron, who's been an attorney for over 40 years. He's an expert in real estate. His specialty is working with property rights, and he's going to tell you more about it. He's sitting there right next to me on the screen, and we're just thrilled to have him. He's from Orange County as well, so that's even better. And he is actually the chief imagineer of his law firm of Cauldron Law Offices. So before we uh, get into all the nitty gritty of what all the wisdom you're going to share with us, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what your passion is? Well, as you can see behind me, there's a picture of a a great wave breaking. I love to surf uh, (laughs) being from Southern California. Uh, And I love uh, hanging out with the fam. I love uh, practicing law. I love my particular little area, niche, which is representing people who own mobile home parks. Uh, Over 40 years, I've represented hundreds of people that own mobile home parks, and it's kind of a little niche. And I just have loved the practice of law and also being in business. I'm also a property owner and that sort of thing. Right. It's wonderful. I'm a married married human, Mari. I've got... uh, I have a bride of 40 years and two lovely adult kids. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'm sure they're really proud of their daddy as well. So I just want people to know that they can find out more about you at our website at privacypiracy.org, but also at your website at cauldron, that's C-O-L-D-R-E-N law.com. So just make sure that you can, you know, check that out as well. So, The fact that you've been in business for over 40 years in the legal profession and you've learned all the crazy things that happen in the law, especially in real estate and property rights and all that, um, how is it that you kind of just keep up with all the nuances and all the cyber stuff that, that comes up? Right. Well, it's interesting. Um, Thanks for asking, Mari. First off, of course, we spoke offline before we got involved here about uh, your continuing legal education classes that you give, some in privacy and cyber-related matters. And of course, as a lawyer, we have to go through all these continuing legal education. I take those seriously, and I not only give them from time to time, but I attend them, obviously, because every three years we have to turn in our hours as lawyers. Right. I've learned by I've learned by doing too. Um, it's funny, but as a trial lawyer, every time you have a case, 
have to learn everything there is to know about that client's problem and that client's business, because otherwise you're not going to be effective at solving it. And so I've had the privilege over 40 years of getting, of being able to look behind the curtain and look behind and, and see what goes on in businesses and find out what really uh, makes various businesses tick. So I have a very broad exposure in that regard. Um, you know, I managed a, I co-managed a, uh, a law firm here in Orange County for about 35 years mm. and we had 50 uh, workstations there. Um, and so uh, very familiar with IT and very familiar with trying to protect the privacy and security of my clients' files, my clients' records. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility and I've always taken that very seriously. So I've learned by doing in that respect as well. I've listened to shows like your own, and I must say I've listened to a few of your broadcasts, and they are absolutely fascinating. Thank you. And I'm going to put you on my list as a regular uh, for regular listening. Uh, and finally, I'd like to say I think another thing that qualifies me to to present today is that I'm not a techie. I am not an IT person. And as a result, I have to be able to translate. Much like when you take a complex niche business, like, I don't know, like mobile home parks or something. Yeah, yeah. And translate that for a jury, you have to find a way to make it understandable. So I find that I'm pretty good at bridging the gap between the professional, you know, the privacy and security officer and the human being that's sitting there with, with a, a computer problem. So that's kind of, uh, that's a summary of how I do that. Yeah, and I appreciate that so much because I think it's sometimes when the experts are talking and they, they can't relay what they're talking about, then it's hard. And we have so many people who own businesses and that are people in high places in companies that need to know how to take care of things and also how to make it understandable for their clients and their customers and their employees. So I appreciate that. So you know, before we started, you were telling me about this case that I think people can really relate to the concerns for businesses when they hear about cyber attacks and what can really happen. So I know you have a case going on that we're going to keep it mum as to who they are or what are the other vendors involved? But it's so obvious that we've been seeing this kind, these kind of cyber attacks that you were talking about. We've seen it over and over, hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of times. So why don't you share with us a little bit about this case that that has been really um, a concern for one of your clients? Yeah, and again, this is not uh, unusual. I want to stress that there are probably hundreds or thousands of similar circumstances. Uh -huh. Uh, occurring over the past uh, number of years. Mm -hmm. Basically, this is an interesting one or an instructive one because it, it relates to both phishing and it relates to uh, spoofing as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Phishing being the, the um, uh, sending of emails with attachments or links, which then someone clicks on and all of a sudden their computer is infected. And when it's infected, it's infected in two ways. First off, it's, it's conscripted as a slave of the bad guy, of the hacker. Right. And they go in and all the contacts of the user, and then they broadcast to all of those contacts a similar virus that has the opportunity to take over any computer that it, it, it can get into. And then spoofing 
being the basically impersonating uh, another account or another domain or another holder. Here, this involves both. Um, and by the way, somebody uh, might be able to figure out what case this is because it is an ongoing case. But I want to say it doesn't matter because yes. I'm not going to talk about anything private, privileged, confidential. I'm only going to talk about allegations here. And the other caveat I probably ought to give you is if I say anything about the law or your legal rights or your legal obligations, it's not legal would, advice. <laughs> I would encourage your listeners uh, to seek out their own counsel. Yes. Um, you get what you pay for, and I understand your listeners can hear this for free. Yeah. So, so they, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Okay? Right. So anyway, here's the deal. Let's say we have a mobile home park management company that manages a whole bunch of mobile home parks. So every day they're sending wires around for the purchase of, of mobile homes. And then there's a vendor that they're dealing with, that they're getting the home from. And then of course, there's the manufacturer that's going to want a wire transfer before it sends the trailer into the park. Right. So in this case, the vendor um, uh, didn't have adequate uh, security on their own computer. In fact, they were using a Hotmail business. They were using Hotmail as their business account. I'm glad to. See, I'm glad to see that you share my concern about that. Yes. That they were um, uh, using that Hotmail account, and they were phished successfully. And the phisher sent out then a broadcast to other uh, folks, and one of those folks was my client. My client. Of let course, me get, let me stop and go back for a second. So when they were phished, there was someone within the company, right? who believed it was a true email. Is that correct? Kind of, we have to kind of go step by Thank step. You. Let me back up, yes, yeah. okay. And it's when we get, when and if we get to tips, because I always in these interviews, I like to try to leave users, uh, viewers with useful information. Yes. Tips that if they will just employ them, they'll feel that they got their money's worth, uh, if you will, with regard to the seminar. Yeah. But, but that's exactly right. Okay. I want to stop you for one second because, you know, I get tons of phishing emails, but I know to just delete those. I know yeah. that, you know, and I, and I don't touch it with a 10 foot pole. And so that's about training your employees. In that's what I was going to say, if, if you're a, uh, you know, if, if it's one thing if you know about it, but if you have, like I say, if you have 50 employees yes. or in the case of a mobile home park management company, hundreds and yeah. many of those employees, of course, are park managers, and park managers may not have law degrees, or they may not, uh, you know, so without the proper training and the proper education, these people are going to risk getting your entire network spoofed yeah. and, and fi fished and then spoofed. Um, in this case, um, uh, our clients' computers were infected when someone clicked on a link. Uh, that's in the in the um, uh, body, body of email. Mm -hmm. You typically get hurt just opening an email. But if you if but anytime someone asks you to click on a link or never. open, yeah. <laughs> well, you have to do that sometime because you have to be in business. So it's not right. never. But here's but some you check tips. it out. Like when like when I'm going to send you the MP3, it'll be a link. But you mm -hmm. know that you and I have talked about that you're going to get it. So that one you can click on. <laughs> Perfect example. Now, Marie, it's interesting. Amari, I know you. I, I know you now. But <laughs> let's say three years from now, out of the blue, I get an email from you saying, Rob, 
I need you to advise me on the attachment. Okay. Now I think to myself, well, I know Mari. Gosh, I haven't heard from her in three years. Okay. Why is she sending me this? I know nothing about it. That's the one that I quarantine, that I call you up with, that I text you with, or that I generate a new email, by the way. I don't reply to your email. Right. Because the email could be intercepted and, and worked on by the hacker. Um, so that's a perfect example. Other that's little a great that, tip. Yeah, don't, don't click on if you, those are, if there isn't any explanation of it either, you know, then that is another red flag. So just, like you said, call me or write an email and say, did you write me an email and ask me to look at a, an attachment? And obviously my answer would be no. Right. A far more difficult way to avoid, I think, uh, uh, being successfully fished. Uh, a far more difficult issue is the issue of when it, it's an email that looks like it came from an official commercial source. Yes. From a bank, from Amazon, for example. From uh, IRS. From the IRS. <laughs> now, the, you're right, uh, Mari. These people have become unbelievably sophisticated, all right? Yes. And all I can tell you is some of them look, act, and feel exactly like one that you would get. That's because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to imitate it. Right. But, but frankly, you can typically tell if you really study it, there'll be a problem. There will be, um, you know, the, the perhaps the watercolor uh, or uh, is washed out. The color is washed out on a part of the email or, or perhaps uh, there's a misspelling somewhere or something like that. You need to be very careful. Another thing you need to watch out for is a domain name that looks very, very much like the official domain name of the outfit, right. but you'll find the biggest trick they use, I find, for example, in management company, the one we're talking about right now, yeah. Yeah. Walmart, they created a separate domain by changing a G to a Q, okay? Yes. Now, so when you look at it quickly, it looks like the real thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's, so, so, so in any event, that's what I'd have to say about that. So somebody uh, in the company, in the vendor's company, clicked on this phishing email thinking it was a real email and a real, uh, a real click that they were supposed to be doing, some link, right? Right. Now that created, uh, in effect, a program operating within the network system that allowed that fisher to gain access to the email system, which in this case was, I think, an exchange or an outlook system. Mm. Once they had that control, um, they could do all kinds of things. So the first thing they did was they sent uh, email an e-blast to every user uh, in the um, in that your contact file. Your contact. They simply accessed the contact file, created uh, dummied up uh, email, and send it out. And by the way. They dummy up the email beautifully. They, they uh, remember now, at this stage, those emails are actually coming from the uh, uh, user's account. From like, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, um, and, and then they have to mask their identity, of course. So what they do is they cover their tracks by deleting uh, items that show up in the sent folder so that you're, so that if you look in your sent folder, you won't see that you just sent an email to every single one of your contacts. And if they're really smart, they'll even go into your deleted folder or your trash folder and delete all of those too. Um, but these people are becoming increasingly, increasingly brazen 
and increasingly yes. skilled at, at the at these attacks. And that's what's so difficult, you know, when you've got some, they are making more money than the people in law enforcement or the FBI. And that's, that's a real challenge. And I, I remember I had Kevin Mitnick. I don't know if you remember who. Oh, I, yes. He came on my show a couple times. He wrote The Art of Deception and The Art of Intrusion. And he's been out. Was he the carpet? He was the one that, that was, he actually did it for fun more than money, actually. But he was able to use social uh, engineering and get in and do the fishing and do all those things. And he talks about how he can get into any company. And of course, now he wears a white hat because he was, he was convicted and he couldn't touch a computer for five years. But um, now he is an expert witness, and now he does his own consulting for the FBI, the CIA, NASA, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, he, he talked about how easy it is to do it. And what's really sad is you could be um, you know, a Russian sitting at your own um, computer in your kitchen doing this. They're just, they're brilliant, and they're made, that's Sorry, where they make their money. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And when you tell me that um, that they're better, they're more well healed and have more resources than uh, the um, uh, good guys, yeah, uh, that's true. Because of course, what they recover in in the, the Crimea or Russia or wherever, that's tax free for them. Right. So right. when they get their money, it's tax free. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. I'm sorry, I've got kind of like intervening here. <laughs> oh, that's good. You're like a you're like an appellate judge that interrupts an oral <laughs> argument and then you've got to right. pick up where you left off. Well, I'm just but trying it, to add some juice to this. Okay, so go. Oh, ahead. I, I appreciate it, and I love hearing your. Uh, thank you very much for this for your participation uh, in this as an interviewer. Anyway, so uh, once he was uh, successfully fished, once his account was broken into. Once he, they had used uh, the computer as a slave to then send out invitations to everyone else to become similarly fished, once they'd done all that, they then set to work. They opened up a bank account in, uh, in another jurisdiction in uh, Georgia with a nationally recognized bank um, in the name of this mobile home park manufacturer. Not exactly though, of course, let's say it was a Fleetwood. So instead of Fleetwood uh, mobile homes, it would have been Fleetwood mobile home instead yes. of mobile home or something right. like that. Just, just enough to be a tiny bit different. Exactly. Okay. Then, of course, the next thing that happens is using spoofing, which is basically impersonating uh, someone else. They identity say, theft. Yeah, it's, it's business identity theft. Exactly. They said, okay, uh, by the way, um, we have to buy these mobile homes. We have to send these wire transfers out. But you know that those that, that tra wire transfer information that I just sent you, the manager who's in charge here? Well, guess what? Um, uh, that's the wrong wire information. Use the wire information that's attached here instead. So then that wire information is used. Um, and... Uh, uh, lo and behold, $300,000 or so uh, in an instant is gone digitally uh, into uh, a bank account 
that was opened in the name of some Nigerian or Russian. Nothing against Nigerians or Russians, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Now, did did um, did your client get? Well, I guess they wouldn't get it. Did they get a notification from their bank that money was just transferred? Like every time there's a transfer of, of above a hundred dollars in my bank, I immediately. I have set up the security that I immediately get a text. Do they have anything like that? That is probably the number one tip that I would give uh, <laughs> all of your listeners, by the way. If we get to tips. Yeah. Tip. We might as well tell them as we're going when it comes to something. Oh, like absolutely. Well, what you can do is you can, you can on virtually all of your credit cards, virtually uh, all of your accounts, and certainly with regard to wire transfers, uh, you, can, uh, have a trans you can have a protocol so that you, under no circumstances, uh, will a wire go out without you approving it, either via telephone or via text or something like that. Right. The irony is, is that even that's not enough. Uh, Mari, think right. about this. Uh, think about, um, you now, think about the circumstance of this client. He's supposed to send the wire because he wants the mobile homes. He's right. told where to send the wire to. He's using a, he's relying on a spoofed uh, attachment and a spoofed email, but the dollar amount is the same, right? right. So unless, unless you are very careful to check every single aspect of that wire transfer, i.e. the destination, the domain name, Right. Um, and basically verify it, almost, almost verify it routinely with the recipient of the wire directly. Right. It won't, wouldn't do any good. A text from the lender saying, by the way, we just funded your 300000 we just executed your $300,000 wire. That won't do any good. They might believe it. Right, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So in any event, now we were fortunate here because the client was very vigilant. Client discovered the issue very, very quickly. Uh, we then set about to, uh, one day. Oh, okay. Cause you know, there's time periods for notifying the banks as well. Okay. Yes. And, and you know, it's a, it's a, a black box. Uh, once you get into the banking system and the wire transfers, uh. <laughs> banks, banks are more closed mouth than lawyers. Okay. Lawyers have to have to hold all secrets and confidences secret at all peril to themselves. Banks, I think, do that just because they really enjoy doing that. They enjoy not getting uh, <laughs> customers' information. But okay. in any event, so we call up, we try to find out about the status of the wire. Oh no, we'll accept information, says the bank, from you, but we're not gonna provide you with any information as to the status or destination or anything like that. Long story short, we were successful in stopping about half of the uh, wire. Uh, because they'd gone out as separate wires. The other half of the wire we were unable to stop, and so we've had to file suit. Now, you might say, well, gosh, you're going to go get this guy. It's a clear, clear fraud, and you're absolutely right. Liability is crystal clear, but guess what? The fellow on the other end, as you well know, is uh, uh, judgment-proof, uh, foreign, uh, blah, 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 so you can just whistle. I mean, even if you use Interpol, you're probably not going to get them. Yeah. yeah. And they, they are covering their tracks. So it's going to be labor intensive, even if you could, and then you couldn't get anything from them anyway. So right. really and truly, yeah, of course, you have to look at the bank and why the bank did this and what precautions they took, right? 
Right. And you know what? Uh, this particular bank uh, is a nationally known bank that's been called on the carpet over the last three or four years, as we also spoke about offline, for opening up tens of thousands of accounts without knowing what they were, who their customers were and what their accounts were. Right. Guess what? That's illegal. You right. can't. The banks are subject to all kinds of anti-terrorism laws, FINRA, Know Thy Customer, all that right. stuff. They right. have an obligation to know who's opening up these accounts. Right. So first we're going to the bank as one of the uh, uh, potentially responsible persons here. Um, and uh, they hopefully will have enough money left after they solve all their other problems to, to pay my clients. So we're going after the bank. We're going after... And remember, that bank, you know, as long as he notified them within a day, mm -hmm. he should have gotten all that money back. He should mm -hmm. have gotten all that money back. They're right. probably blaming him for the fishing, you know, but there's, there's security measures that they're supposed to be taking as well before they transfer the money. That's, that's I can tell you, I'm probably taking liberties with the, the facts of the case. So, uh, and I'm doing that to simplify things sure, for, sure. for no. the audience. But so, people need to know about how they are going, when they're in business and they have business accounts and other people are working for them and, and working on these uh, wire transfers, they need to set up the most stringent uh, checks and security measures so that this can't happen. You know, you're in real estate, so you know this was happening a lot in escrow. People would buy, comp uh, would buy buildings or they'd buy homes, and then the last minute someone would call and say, oh, they tell the escrow company to change the, the instructions, right? And right. so that was happening. So now you have to double check anytime you go into escrow, because that was happening just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times last year that I heard about. Right. So the, the, uh, the potential exposure here, even though liability is clear, you're not going to get it from the main bad actor. You're going to get it from the bank. But if the bank decides to put up a fight, you're going to find yourself paying lawyers many, many thousands of dollars. Right. To unravel the thing. You know, even though I know you're a lawyer yourself, Mari, I hope you don't mind my saying that lawyers can't turn around these days for less than thousands and thousands. Well, that's why I mediate. <laughs> oh, good. Keep that's people right. out of court as much as possible, right? So that they can settle these kinds of things. I agree with you. Alternative dispute resolution is the name of the game and uh, the way to go. Yeah. In any event, so that would be one uh, potential target where we can get our recovery. Uh, also, in this case, um, the bank, uh, we have now through discovery and through other means been able to identify that this bank actually got a warning that the wire transfer was fishy, that the wire transfer was wrong. Even and they before, didn't do anything. Yeah, even before we notified the bank, their own internal wire practices flag this because they have these algorithms that they use that, 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 uh, that, uh, a flag these things. So they knew that they knew there was something fishy and they should have verified right away. They should have proactively done that. Yeah. Right. So Would you believe that we are out of time? Oh my gosh. We could have talked I, about this. I thing. had 12. I had, you had asked <laughs> me to write down 12 questions, Marley. <laughs> I know, but it was just so interesting, this case. So, you know, I know. But we got through a lot of them, though, because you are talking about some of the issues that were so important to us. So, before we get off, we have just a minute or so. Do you want to just give a couple tips and, you know, then we'll have to have you back after the whole case is done and 
we'll know what's going on, but can you just give a couple of the most important tips that, that you think my audience should be aware of? I'll give you some of my secret tips to your audience and uh, in hopes that you will have me back on the show. <laughs> First, as I say, just remember the account uh, information and uh, never give your account information, passwords, uh, or certainly not your credit card or something like that to someone else. Um, use a password protection program. I use one called, I think it's 1Password, but there's an iPassword. So I use LastPass, yeah. Then LastPass is wonderful. Yeah. But use a password protection program. Never open an email that looks suspicious, as we've talked about earlier today. And by open, what I mean is, I don't mean open the email. You can't hurt yourself just opening the email. Be careful about the link and the attachment that's in the email. Those are the two things. Yep. Ask the sender uh, if the email does look suspicious. Uh, Call them up on the phone or use a new email. Uh, you know, I think calling on the phone is the best because yeah. somebody could have just hacked all of their emails. So it goes back to the bad guy. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Use good virus protection. Again, I'm not, I don't get a kickback for any of this, but I use an outfit called Malware Bytes. But, you know, McAfee, any of these people yeah. are good, are good companies and can do a good job. Right. But it's not enough to just install it on your computer. You have to run it every so often, and you have to check to make sure that it's that running every so often. Yes. Um, have a great backup system. If I was ever going to tell you to check anything, it is check your backup system periodically. Don't just keep one backup going back a week. Keep them going back a week, a month, a couple of months, yes. a few months. Because you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that you discover that someone's hacked your system, taken your documents or something, and they did it three weeks ago and you just discovered it. Well, you better have a backup that goes back before them. Thank you so much, Rob, but it's time to go. Thank you so much for joining us. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.